to another AI Live. And we're so festive here. <laughs> we're so festive. By the way. And it smells like pumpkin spice. So mm. you guys can't smell it, but we're totally into the Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving feel. More eating. Huh? I know. <laughs> More eating. Turkey and dressing. <laughs> love it. Yeah, we love it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you. We have a good show for tonight. Yeah. We have a really well, informative show. Hopefully you guys will get a little interactive. We'll try and answer some questions. We have a little PowerPoint, but yeah. before that, what 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 have you been up to this last month or, or this last weekend oh this last weekend the, last weekend i was in atlanta um i flew out and went to a galderma advisory board meeting on um, the new release of re-release of sculptra so there's a lot of new stuff coming yep. out super super excited about it and um you know the education platforms that are coming out and uh, we, we we've used it for years we love it mm -hmm. so super excited about this so i was in atlanta um this weekend and i'll be in i'll be in delaware next weekend with my wonderful friend emily rockwell who mm. um i went out and trained about four years ago and she's a brand new nurse practitioner and again i've been out since then but i'm going to go out again and train her and she's become the julie horn of the united states she oh. lip lip she's the lip queen so i get my lips done I'm so excited. So Emily's going to do my lips. So anyway, so I'm so excited to go out to Delaware next weekend. But awesome. So what's up with you? What did you do last weekend? You had your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. I just got old. No, you didn't. You'll never be old. No, I was in Napa. I got the finally a weekend off and we went to Napa. We drank a lot. <laughs> it's your birthday. And I ate a lot. Well, as you can see, my face is probably huge, but um, it was fun. It was fun. But now we're back to work. I think... This weekend, I'm training for Mint, a whole full Saturday of 12 hours of training. So we'll have fun training some threads. Those are fun. Those are fun. <laughs> are threads fun. are fun training. Threads are amazingly fun to see the results and everything. I love it. Fun. <laughs> we always have fun, you guys. We, we do get days off once in a while, I think. Maybe? Somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. But <laughs> we went, have fun doing this. You went this. to Napa. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we, All right. now on to tonight's topic. I know a lot of you guys are interested um in this topic and so we're we're going to be talking about dermal fillers you know kind of side effects managing them i think you know there needs to be a delineation from what really is a true adverse type of complication to what is potentially an injector fault mm -hmm. and how to kind of recognize it and understand you know what to do in those in those cases i i think we don't take some sometimes we as practitioners don't take enough responsibility for some of the mistakes that we make and you have to realize you have to make some mistakes you have to understand why you made the mistakes and how you're going to correct it to improve and so you have to admit that you made a mistake and yes it sucks to have to admit oh yeah i probably injected in the incorrect plane maybe injected maybe in the muscle but really those are the times where I think you learn the most, you know, when you challenge yourself to figure out why did that happen? And, you know, and 
those are the times you work with your community. If you have a community, try and figure out why did that complication happen? What's going on? How do I manage the complication? Um, but the goal hopefully tonight is to kind of go over some of the more common things that happen with dermal fillers and injectable complications that happen. Yeah, more than just vascular occlusions. Yes. Because we, everybody talks about vascular occlusions and um, sometimes that might often. not happen very often. They probably don't happen <laughs> as often as the nodule formations and yeah, swelling and all of that type of stuff. So yeah. I honestly think that this should be more of a talk than all of the vascular occlusion <laughs> conference, <laughs> conference things that are out there. You know, ultimately, you know, it's... It, you have to understand the whole gambit of it all and then take it in small excerpts that things do happen and understand when they do happen, how to manage it. Right. You know, I think vascular occlusions is the one that we go to the extreme. It's kind of like driving a car, like you're going to get into a big accident and kill someone. Well, you know what? You may get a little fender bender here and there. Learn why you got a fender bender. Stop texting. Don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it again. Learn. You know, and that's huge because I've seen some injectors who have um, had um, quite a few occlusions in the same area. And I think, okay, think about what you're doing and step back and either go a different depth, a different location, aspirate for longer, whatever it takes. But I mean, think about why that happened so it won't happen again. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. really important. But we, we're not going to talk about occlusions all night long. No. Promise. We are not. <laughs> so so we want to, um, here, we're going to kind of show you a little bit here, but we want to jump into our PowerPoint. Jump into our PowerPoint. Um, so little disclaimer. There we go. Okay, you can see the little disclaimer. It's for educational purposes of what we're doing this for. Uh, you don't need to know about me. Look at your blonde hair. I know. I kind of miss <laughs> it, but oh well. <laughs> too much. Too much maintenance. Oh gosh, that's this me. You guys, kind of, hopefully, you kind of know. It's yeah. Okay, so types of fillers, filler complications. We have quite a few different types of complications. You can have a venous occlusion. You can have an arterial occlusion or a non-inflammatory um, nodule secondary to your technique. So basically you put a lump there. So all of those are going to be pretty immediate within the first few hours. Late onset can be a hypersensitivity reaction. So people could be allergic mm -hmm. to the, the products uh, that make the fillers and of the fillers. You can have an infection, which may lead to a biofilm, uh -huh. and you can have inflammation that needs to nodule, leads to nodules, or you can have no nodules from a non-inflammatory base too. Yes. And so you, you really, I mean, as far as like timeframes with regards to these immediate, to me with these two, of course, vascular occlusions, probably the fastest for the most part, unless it's an allergic reaction, you're probably going to see this within 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Some are going to be immediate, but rarities to me that I think you see completely immediate, unless you put a crap load of filler yeah. in there. Um, I think the two that I've had, um, one on the nose and one in the nasolabial folds were 12 hour later um, type of evolution. So I don't think that you could say that it's immediate, but probably we're categorizing like non-inflammatory secondary to technique. I think that kind of elucidates itself probably from immediate to even three to four weeks out, um, I think are what I would consider kind of in the intermediate. I think late onset to me would be anything about probably greater than four weeks. Yes. So yes. your biofilms, like this underlying type of inflammation, infection the inflammatory nodules that pop up are probably going to be like they look great looks look great and then all of a sudden they're starting to get the little bump or starting to and it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger and things like that so ultimately um 
you know, categorizing kind of when these things would happen um, is important because it helps you delineate kind of where along this pathway, kind of your flow of algorithm, where what what could potentially be the cause of these complications. <clears throat> So a couple things that you could do to in, to reduce the risk, and we kind of know this through research, right. is to inject small aliquots. So try to inject less than 0.1 ml of filler with each site. And I, you know, to me, when we see this, and I see this all the time when you see a vascular occlusion talks, ultimately one of the things that I would probably say is smaller aliquots, smaller microboluses are probably more for me, along the lines when I'm injecting more in that subcutaneous, when I'm kind of more fanning and doing things, I think when I'm on bone, on periosteum, I feel as though I'm okay in an area and literally putting 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0.5. I mean, we do it all the time in the piriform. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think you have to take this and really understand your anatomy as it relates to this. I don't know what your opinion I is. Think I, I, I agree. I guess sometimes we'll go down... Um, onto the onto the periosteum and inject more than 0.1. Yeah, because because the patient needs more than 0.1. You go and yeah. put in 0 0.05 yeah. on the bone, you're not going to see anything. So then you keep poking this patient 0 0.05, 0 0.05, and, 0 .05. and it ends up being 0 0.2 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I think the majority. I think when they looked at this with the study, they realized that people that were injected with more than 0.1, that people were just in, um, injecting quickly and holding the needle still had. A, a more of a, a risk of a vascular occlusion just in the study. So they recommended less than 0.1, keep the needle moving and inject very slowly. Mm -hmm. So in as long as I, we are, we aspirate, you know, I think going, mm -hmm. I go in with an unprimed needle and um, you can aspirate very, very quickly. And it tells you if you're inner vessel or not, uh, not a hundred percent all the time, but it sure is worth trying. There's no reason not to aspirate. Um, and the other thing is if you keep that needle moving, if you are injecting, if you keep the needle moving, then you might not be able to put much into a vessel mm -hmm. and not enough to occlude anything. Right. So not being very forceful, not keeping that injection pressure lower than the intra-arterial pressure mm -hmm. is the key. So even if you are in a vessel or like near one, if you keep that, if you're injecting very slowly and you keep the pressure coming out of your needle very, very low, not to exceed that intra-arterial pressure, you're not going to be able to sense something retrograde right. because the, the forward motion of that artery is not going to let it go retrograde, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. So injecting slowly, I think, is really a key here yeah, with think, cannulas or needles. Yeah, and I think it's understanding your injection tool mm -hmm. and getting that extra, you could say, sixth sense, mm -hmm. as we always talk mm -hmm. about, you know, when you're injecting, if you feel as though you're in a boggier area that feels like a blood vessel, I think nurses probably have much more experience yeah. of this because you guys are finding IVs all day long. You literally pop and you can feel that you're in it. Um, I think the physicians are probably at, at a little bit more of a disadvantage because we just, I mean, we do central lines and stuff like that, but we're not doing those all day long. Yeah. You, you don't get that extra feel. And so you can kind of feel like if you're, close to a blood vessel redirect yourself find where it really does feel and i like your thing it's drywall like yeah. find the bone yeah. <laughs> if you're on the bone you're most likely not going to be in a blood vessel yeah i always say be inject thoughtfully and inject gently and respect the tissue so if you go in there with a needle don't just stuff it into the bone you get through the skin and it should be like butter until you hit drywall 
So if you tap on drywall, you're not hitting a vessel. So be very, very gentle and be thoughtful. Know your anatomy when you inject. Right. And then, of course, cannulas. If you can use cannulas. Mm -hmm. Yay. Definitely potentially safer. Yeah. Um, definitely HA fillers. You Dissolvable. Know. You know, these are things that you guys can decide as you get more comfortable with what you're doing. Right. I think definitely these are guidelines. This is not the end all. I like to use needles. I use mostly needles. There are certain areas where I like to use a cannula because I think there's a benefit to using a cannula in the area. But for me, I love needles, but I use longer needles. Um, so I take in like what Codafana talks about, mm -hmm. which is coming in at more of an angle. When you come in at an angle, I'm actually going to be a little bit more safer than going straight down perpendicularly. So I actually don't do very much perpendicular injections mm -hmm. in my in my personal injection technique. So um, take everything that we that when you're learning out there, take everything with a grain of salt and think critically, ask questions challenge the reason why sometimes people do it because there's not one way to do these things i think that's the whole goal of why Lori and i like doing this is because she does it her way i do it my way and we get great results either way yeah. <laughs> and so it's to teach you guys that you can do it however many ways you just think critically on what could potentially happen how to avoid it um and you know how you're using your tools to the best advantage that you have Okay. So knowing your anatomy, right? I That's think. so important. <laughs> Come to the cadaver course. <laughs> Come to the cadaver course. But knowing your anatomy, knowing where you are, superorbital, supertrochlear arteries that are coming, you know, from the from the brow, superior orbital area. Um, those are the areas that could potentially blindness. And, you know, the rest of these blood vessels that you see, angular, facial arteries, superior labial. Um, infraorbital, you just have to be careful that you're going to get a vascular occlusion and you know how to manage it. Hopefully you know where they are so you don't need to manage it so that you don't, <laughs> so you don't need to actually break out your Highland X's. Yeah. You know, the all, whole goal is that you're not. 25 boxes. I mean, how many vascular occlusions have you had in your, was it 14 years of injecting? Oh God, let me count. None. Exactly. I have had none. So, <laughs> and I've had two. I mean, one I did on the tip of the nose, um, my most recent one. And then the other one was a one in the nasal labial pole, but that was like a point one. That was just being kind of like eh, irritated, <laughs> about to dump the syringe away and patient go, don't waste it. Inject it. Oops. It's you always can, the last. Let me just do a little bit Murphy's more. Murphy's law. Yeah. Murphy's law. But ultimately, I mean, having done this for 17 years, and I used to inject noses with radius. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I come from the old school mentality that vascular occlusions really don't happen as much. I think you're seeing much more because people aren't being careful about where they're injecting. We used to always just go to the bone, mm -hmm. stay on the bone. Yeah. I think people are just a little bit more forthright. I don't know what's going on in the industry. Um, they're, they're not paying attention to it. Um, who knows? We'll have to do a study and figure out what's going on and why people are getting so many vascular occlusions. But yeah. I mean, I don't seem for myself, I don't seem to do, even though I aspirate, mm -hmm. I don't seem to get that many aspirations back. And maybe and you're, you're using I'm your needle at an angle. You are. That's what I was just going to say is when you take a needle and you lay it on the bone and come in at a low I'm not degree, moving when I'm pulling. Um, you're in one plane. Yeah. 
you're in one plane. So you're not going through a lot of the smas and layers of tissue. So that might be, have something and to do with it, it too. When you are perpendicular and you're pulling and aspirating, people aren't stabilizing themselves and really doing that. So their needle, as they're pulling back they're you're watching their actual needle bob up and down. Yep. And all I think a lot of people bets are off. I, a all lot bets of are people off. get, uh, get aspirations because they literally are pulling it through the blood vessel instead of staying on the bone. Yeah. So, you know, things yeah. to think about critically as you are doing, you know, these are the things that you need to think about as you're doing your injection. So, you know, this is this <laughs> arterial is, occlusion. Yeah, this is a big it. one. This is a big inferior labial occlusion. So this is one that I don't know. Um, this one is one I saw um, from an aesthetic company, but um, it usually pe people might have pain, but keep in mind, pain is not something they might, they might have. Why not? Our fillers have lidocaine in them. So they might not have any pain for a couple hours at mm -hmm. least. For sure. And it, it might, you might've injected a certain area like the lips and the entire lower chin area could become um, pale and blanched and mottled. So you've got to look at the whole thing. And something like this, like this probably came up fairly soon, but a lot of occlusions don't, like you said, don't show up for probably six or 12 hours. I don't let anybody... Um, fly in where I inject them and they don't stay for at least 24 to 48 hours. I won't inject anybody who flies out on the same day for this reason, yeah. because they don't show up maybe for hours later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And question to ask patients, you know, this is stuff to, when, when they call back to your office, you know, have something, you mm -hmm. know, that your front office staff who are going through all of this, um, you know, I guess you could say, telephone screening for mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you have to have something to make sure that you're not having them just, oh, yeah, it's a bruise, don't worry about it, and then pass them off. You need to have something where they do ask a little bit more of questions. Do they have pain right on the scale? And it's typically pain that's different from the other side, because if you did both sides, one side, the side that's occluded will typically be a lot more ischemic, so you have a lot more pain on that side. Um, noticing skin changes, especially that mottled lavender lace pattern is important. Um, and then as we said, different from the last injection or different from the opposite side um, is important. Visual changes, I probably say that would be more if you're gonna get a blindness case, that's gonna happen. Typically, if it's a blindness case, that's probably gonna happen much more, much sooner, sooner. and probably when they're actually in your office yeah. um, in the area. And then of course, you know, have the patient send a, a photo, whether it's to a text message or whether to your email or something like that. Let, have someone that is understanding what a vascular occlusion looks like, be able to take a look mm -hmm. and see what's going on. Very important. Very important. I hand out my a, a paper to all my patients, this little card that has all of the information on it and yeah. my cell phone number. So all my patients I inject get my cell phone number in case there's a problem I want them to call me because they are they are my eyes and ears for the next two days. Yep. Yeah. So this is, um, uh, in Asia, noses are extremely yep. popular. That's so why there's, I was injecting radius. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of nasal augmentation with with fillers or the non-surgical nose jobs in, in Asia. And um, some of them are dissolvable, some of them are not. But this is a patient who had um, a lot of necrosis and ended up having to have a skin flap yep. put on her nose. In, so it can, it can get- See the progression. It, yeah, see the progression where it gets red and it gets, and you'll see about three days, it starts to get vesicles on it, which can be confused as, herpetic vessels yeah. vesicles so um if somebody says oh no that's just an infection a skin infection or it's impetigo or it's or it's just herpetic don't blow it off don't blow that off if it's about three days after a filler it could very well be an occlusion if it's hyperemic and yep. it has some vesicles
Yeah, and just, you know, the tip of the nose is very, 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 very vascular. Very tons of capillaries. I think injecting noses, in my book, injecting bridges to me are safer than injecting tips. Tips yeah. are always the area that I think I pucker a little bit more so, especially everyone's like, I want the tip raised up high. I want the you to Tinkerbell build it. Tip. You know, now I think <laughs> now we have threads nowadays. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so Yay. much easier to do something in this aspect of it without running into these potential complications. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then again, there are there are noses that you just need to inject if you really do are amendable to injecting a nose that, you know, you can do. But be careful. Um, these are pictures, as you can see, glabellar necrosis, a nasolabial fold necrosis, as you can see, you know, these are not something that you want to see at this point where you see the black and you see it really, really necros out. So ultimately just be aware and make your patients aware of it. I know Lori doesn't let her patients leave um, if they're flying from out of town for at least 24, 48 hours, just in case they need to do something to dissolve it out, just in case a vascular occlusion mm -hmm. arises. Mm -hmm. And this is, these are smart little things. Think proactively for your patients. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this actually is a colleague of mine. Uh, she was injected with CAHA or calcium hydroxylapatite in her uh, mid face. And if you look at the progression on the left side of her face, you'll see day three, day six, day seven, um, she started to get the vesicles at day three, day six, a lot of vesicles, a little bit of necroses, and this wasn't, it's non-dissolvable. So there was nothing they could do about this. And, um, I'm just saying we need to recognize this early. Unfortunately, this was something that, that couldn't be dissolved, but if we're using a hyaluronic acid filler and can dissolve it, we'd jump on this immediately yep. and try to get this dissolved, get, get, um, this patient into hyperbaric therapy. There is something new out that I want to tell you guys about that is called EO2. And it's, it is a transcutaneous oxygen unit. It is a pad that you can put on the skin or on the face. And I implore you, if you have a possible occlusion, you call this company called EO2. You have them delivered to the house with usually with the same day they get delivered to the house. They keep that on there and it saves that superficial tissue mm. tremendously. It's a new tool we can use. Um, we're just seeing the benefits of it now. So between hyperbaric, hyaluronic acid, if it's something like this, that's a, that's a caha or a, a calcium hydroxylapatite, um, you can't dissolve it. So you got to get into hyperbaric, you, you throw Hylinex in there, you do everything you can. Yep. Um, but the, but I just had a friend back East that had someone have this in their nose and they threw the EO2 on it and the nose I thought was going to be lost and there was no sloughing. Nice. So huge difference yeah. with that. Get, get the oxygen back into the yeah. area. That's what's missing. Yeah. Oops. Let's go forward. Um, this is a sad case. This is somebody who had PMMA, which is Belafil or Artifil years ago. It mm -hmm. is powdered plastic, kind of a plastic yeah, type material. Polymethylmethacrylate. Yeah. Um, and this patient was injected in the glabella and within 12 hours was completely blind in their right eye. And um, that's non-reversible. Yeah. That's non -reversible. Most blind case, blindness cases are non-reversible mm -hmm. or irreversible. Yeah, it, it, it is very, very sad. Um, you just have to be much more careful if you do inject this area. You know, there are people who will still inject this area. And, you know, if you take a cadaver course to me, um, how I was injecting this area before we knew all about anatomy and all of this stuff, I was like, you know what? I was actually injecting it pretty darn safely in a sense for having injected into the area. 
um, having Kodafana dissect out the area for me. So it, it's not that you can't inject these areas. You have to be confident in wanting to inject this area, knowing that these are possible complications and discuss this with your patient that yeah. this is possible. There are people who will inject it and there are people who won't inject it because they um, decide not to for their own practices. <laughs> <laughs> they will rather sleep at night. Hi. Other ones of us are a little bit more cowboyish and they're like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I think if you do choose to do more dangerous areas as far as blindness, which would be, which would be no, na- nose. the nose and the glabella, make sure you have a crash cart, a vision crash cart. I have a, I have a, a tray that is just for vision and everything's in there that tr- to treat a visual issue. And basically I have retrobulbar cannulas. I'm not going to use them. I have a, <laughs> I have a uh, oculoplastic surgeon that right. is my buddy. Um, that's within 45 minutes, half an hour of me. On if I drive fast, which I like to, it could be 20 minutes. And I'm going to take that kit with all my my Hylinex and go down to his office, and he's going to do that injection. Right. So be be ready. Have that with you. Have your pen light, whatever. The, all your near vision cards. Have that with you, and have your vascular kit and your vision kit. Um, I would say in your office, ready. Right. Speaking of kits, anyway. Crash car kits, you guys should all know this. If you don't, I'm sure we we had other AI lives on it. We do. We have them up on YouTube. You can kind of review it. If not, reach out to Lori. No, (laughs) DM Dr. Watt. I was going to say, you know, on the Hylinex, you guys, it says 10 to 16 vials. I highly recommend at least 20 to 24 vials. Have more than 10 to 16 because if there's a, if you've got a, a small, occlusion it's going to be one full box which is four vials about every 15 minutes so i need you to do the math and figure out how many vials you you need so i think 20 to 24 is probably a cheap insurance policy yeah so infections this is really rare yes really very 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 rare i knock on wood looking thinking back 17 years probably over thousands tens of thousands of syringes i don't think i've ever had an infection. I had one. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had I an had infection. one. Yeah, I've had one that turned into a little abscess and ended up being I used a cannula and I used tons of hypochlorous acid, but it was two weeks later that she got like a little a little abscess and I used to let people put makeup on or whatever twenty four hours later. Now I don't. See you know how you look back and go, Okay, what caused it? What could have happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I think she put sunblock on the next morning. 24 hours later and i think she probably inoculated herself with some staff i think she probably inoculated herself with with something with something from the skin so that's what i'm thinking so couldn't figure out anything else was it at the site or was it at a distal site it was right at the site oh right yeah it was pretty close to the site so interesting so so now if i'm using a cannula i don't let anybody put anything but soap and water on for 48 hours i let that hole heal up a little bit more cannulas definitely so yeah with your needle you're probably a lot quicker because it collapses very quickly yeah um but you know you're looking for erythema warmthness tenderness these are the things that you you want to watch out for as you would for any cellulitis or any abscess that's forming so make sure you you are able to recognize that um, and then if you do put them on the appropriate antibiotics, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doxy, um, minnow, cipro, um, start off with maybe Keflex if it's not too bad, if you're catching it earlier yeah. on, but Something just make that'll sure. Treat a staff yeah, or a, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, steroids, 
possibly, if they're really inflamed, you can put them on some prednisone, put them on a medro dose pack. I think those are appropriate type of things mm -hmm. to, to minimize that immune response into the area so it will swell so much. But uh, infections, ah, they're rare. They're rare. I mean, I, I don't think that it really happens as often mm -mm. as we will talk about, but, you know, it's something to keep in the back of your mind as, as something that could potentially happen. Now, non-inflammatory nodules are generally seen right after injection. So basically, this is technique-driven. Yes. Um, and the product is either too superficial, there's too much put in one place, um, It the product might be too high of a G-prime for the for the plane that it was put in, so it or leaves a nodule. Inject into muscle. Yep, inject to a muscle. So, so it's just a lump. Of, it's just a lump of filler. Yeah, and so, <laughs> it's a lump of filler. And to me, yeah. this this is important. I don't think we stress it enough. We see probably a lot more non-inflammatory nodules than we think. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think your patients do say, "Oh, I feel a little lump here," and then we're like, "Eh, it's fine. It's not not you can't see it and stuff like that." But it probably is definitely secondary to your technique, injecting it definitely a thicker G prime product too superficial or secondary to your technique and you're injecting into the muscle. Uh, it, it, it definitely happens, you know, and I think we don't spend enough time um, in my books training people how to inject with finesse. I don't think, I think people pick up a needle just like inject, inject, and try and squeeze. And they really don't understand it's like an artist. It's like having the brush stroke and really, really being able to make a, a thicker brush stroke and a thinner brush stroke when you need it. Mm -hmm. I don't think people pay attention enough to it, whether you're using a cannula or a needle. If you want more product, hold it there, push a little bit more product. If you want to thin it out, move either really quickly as you're pushing or pushed a lot lighter on your syringe. I think the finesse of, of using your tools is not something that people pay attention to or care to pay attention to. Yeah. And the other thing is I find that a lot of people don't, are, are not as aware of anatomy as they should be. And I think it's so, so important to yep. visualize where your needle is and where your, or where the tip of your cannula is anatomically so that you can be very thoughtful when you inject and you're visualizing because we're injecting blindly. Yep. So you have to visualize what you've seen in cadavers and books and what am I bumping into? What am I hitting? What am I doing here? What plane is it? Um, so it's very important to like to be thoughtful, really to is. inject with finesse, take your time. Plan um, it out. Have a plan. I think people don't plan yes, out. They just say, they oh, I see a little hole here. I'm just going to inject. I'm like, well, hold back. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're using a cannula, figure out how to get there, but maybe to inject the whole area. If you're using a needle, and I use longer needles, I'm not injecting straight into the area. I'm picking a point maybe that I can reach that area, which I can reach other points. Mm -hmm. So I'm not um, so I'm not poking the patient so much, and I'm really, really doing a nice soft finessing on that aspect of it. So uh, I, I can't stress enough when it comes to these non-inflammatory nodules, the finesse of using your tools much more appropriately. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
inflammatory responses. <laughs> yeah, some people are very hypersensitive yes. to the products that we inject. It's really rare. I've it seen it once in 14 years where somebody really had a reaction to a hyaluronic acid filler and they can get swollen, they can get, um, it looks like a huge infection. There's the ones that need to be dissolved and need prednisone and mm -hmm. um, you can throw on antibiotics if you need to, but some people can be very allergic to yep. the growth media that some of these hyaluronic acid fillers are cultured in. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. And you're gonna treat it just like a normal kind of allergic reaction, try and mm -hmm. get rid of the inciting factor yeah. and then treat the allergy in that aspect of it. So if not treated, these can definitely lead into late onset nodules that may be a lot, lot, lot more difficult to manage. So make sure that, you know, you let your patients know that if things are not how they should be, you know, you've gone over the normalcy, especially ones that have done fillers before, it's not normal, come back in. Yeah. So that I can take a look. I know some of our patients get a little bit more wary, like, oh, I didn't want to bother you with this tiny little thing. But, you know, let them know that it's okay. Reach out with you. And he, especially with social media, most of us, I tell them, if you have really any issues at any point in time, DM me through my Instagram so that you can't, so that at least send me a picture so yeah. I can see what's going on and, and send videos. I mean, we're in this day and age, this social media aspect of it, there's very little reason why you can't get information and communication between right. you and your patients. Um, I, I, we did mention on that slide, know your rheology. Oh yes. And it's really important to know your rheology. There are some products that have a tendency to have a little bit more of an inflammatory response um, and a lead onset nodule. Um, it's just known with some of the products, which are a little bit uh, differently cross-linked. So you need to know if your products are high, highly cross-linked, if they're, if they're high and low molecular weight cross-linking, yeah. do they have a tendency to have an inflammatory response? And if they do, then how to manage that. Yeah. So know your rheology. We're not going to call out any products here, but know your rheology and know the history of these and then pick your patient very carefully and who to put them into and inject into a plane that is not a muscular plane. Yep more on bone and more on uh, just subdermal area and you have less of a reactivity sometimes. All right. There we go. So, what did I just say? Here. <laughs> <laughs> patient, Pick your patient, patient carefully. Yeah. Patient, patient is very important. And you know, dental, dental visits are things that we don't pay attention to mm -hmm. a little bit, but it definitely does. I haven't seen necessarily anything with regards to fillers, but definitely with threads, I have definitely seen it cause an infection on a thread. Um, when the patient did do it like a week after um, getting dental work, um, after getting the threads a week later, they did go again to dental work and they ended up with an infected thread. And we had to put them on antibiotics. Luckily, that took care of it. But, you know, that could have potentially led to us trying to dig that thread out and do a lot more invasive type of things. So just be a little wary for your patients that, you know, any dental work does throw out bacteria into mm -hmm. the facial bloodstream. And so you want to just watch out for that. Um, you know, autoimmune issues, as we talked about, any allergies, inflammation can definitely be one of those things. You just want to make sure that, you know, if they, they have a little bit more of an autoimmune or inflammatory response in them in their own medical history that you may not use certain fillers just yeah. because there's a higher incidence of nodularities, um, of inflammatory responses um, in those patients. So you just want to be a little bit careful when you're taking your medical history on that aspect. All right. So delayed onset nodules are something that are tough to deal with. And it's something you are going to see after one month. Yep. You're not going to see delayed onset nodules before a month. It's going to be 
a regular lump of filler or it's going to be a little inflammation. Um, but we have delayed onset nodules, both inflammatory precursed from inflammation or non-inflammatory delayed onset nodules. So um, about a 0.5% incidence, but we have to keep in mind the majority of adverse events are not reported. So majority of, you know, how yes. many of people have reported their vascular occlusions who have had 10, you know, they haven't, they're not reported. So, <laughs> um, about 40% of the delayed onset nodules had identifiable immunologic trigger. So watch out for people who have autoimmune issues, because when we use certain products that have different types of molecular weights in their cross-linking and in their rheology, low. low molecular weight. Okay. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, when you compare it, it, it all. has a little bit higher risk to having inflammation leading yeah. to a late de delayed onset nodule. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, these was, as Lori said, these are going to happen four weeks out. It's going to be a lump, a little nodule in duration. Um, typically you're not going to get too much of the sterile abscess. I don't think I've seen that, but definitely the lumps and bumps and nodules, and they can be really annoying to deal mm -hmm. with. I mean, these are ones that are really going to take a lot more effort to break down. You're going to inject them with a lot more Hylinex. Um, you're going to be using potentially even some 5-FU and other things. Because if you don't manage this, I have had, and I've heard um, being out there in the training um, aspect of, I have heard of people needing to go into surgical aspect of it to remove these late onset nodules. They don't just, they don't go away. And so you want to manage these as soon as possible. And you, you said surgery, the majority of these late onset nodules that do need surgical intervention are the ones that are from the permanent fillers, yep. the PMMA. So I have a couple of patients who are just living with them and they get large, hard lumps and they go away. They get lumps, and they go away and they don't know what's triggering it. Yep. Um, but you can't take that stuff out. You've got to, you've got to kind of surgically cut it out. Yeah. So that's why hyaluronic acid fillers that you can dissolve are going to be a lot easier to get rid of some of these things rather than some of the permanent fillers. Um, you choose what you want to choose, but just know the risks uh, for yourself and for the patient down the road. Right. They could have an inflammatory reaction nodules a year down the road. So that's one reason. I like to sleep at night. So Yeah. I mean, remember, the, these fillers can last upwards in the 12-year range, yeah. you know. Uh, you have to be careful now that we know that these fillers are lasting a lot longer. The talk should not be how long these fillers are lasting. The talk is always, to me, where's the expectation of the patient? Did we fill them up properly? And then with these nodules, you just have to understand that it can be any one of the actual fillers that you've injected in the past that could have caused mm -hmm. this. There are certain ones that may cause it more, but ultimately all, everything. And unfortunately, the the filler you injected last is always the culprit. <laughs> could have triggered it. Though, you know, even though it could have been just that right timing, that right everything coincided at that right time. And we blame that one filler as the inciting factor. Mm -hmm. And it may not have been, it may have been other ones that have been the inciting factor, but something triggered it. And yeah. so you just need to know, understand that the, how to treat it and how to recognize it. Um, you know, systemic steroids, um, hyaluronidase, 
of course. And then, of course, if that doesn't improve, then you have to kind of get a little bit more aggressive. A little bit of Kenalog, 5-FU, a little Lido. Make a little cocktail. Uh, make kind of your own little cocktail. Yeah. Um, and, you know, try to see if you can break down that nodule a little bit sooner before it becomes something that needs to be surgically managed. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring up, if you guys want to ask us some questions, we're going to be looking at a monitor here so we can, we can answer some of your questions if you have any. So feel free to type them in. All right. Biofilm. Mm. I've never had one, thank goodness. I've never had one either. But, you know, I, I probably will say that I'm, I have more belief in the biofilm from more of my threads because I think I see that maybe possibly a little mm. bit more. I've seen, not that it's happened to me, but... Um, definitely has happened to a couple people that are around from training. Um, and you're seeing that two, three weeks later, they end up with an abscess at the distal end of the thread. Interesting. Yeah. It's the distal end, not the, not the, <laughs> not the end that you're tying off or that you would mm -hmm. think of it. It ends up being towards the distal end or along the whole thread itself. Mm -hmm. And so biofilms can happen, you know, at the end of the day, any one of these, whether it's threads, whether it's fillers, they are considered a, uh, a implant. They're a implant that is placed into that area. And so ultimately, could it be just not cleaning well? There's always a possibility, you know, you don't know everything about that. However, you know, knock on wood, I mean, I've been injecting. And when I first got started injecting back in 2004, we're kind of like, okay, alcohol quickly and then inject. And then we go, oh, you know what? I need to inject here too. So I'd inject through, I guess you could say I injected through makeup and all of this stuff back then, you know, yeah. trying to be clean, but then not being as, uh, cognizant as what we know now with regards to potential biofilms and all these things so did i see any infections then no i never got anything there yeah. and so ultimately um i have yet to really see a true biofilm but i'm starting to feel as though there can be now that i've seen it with uh, threads a little bit more where mm. the the uh, the infections or the abscesses start about two three weeks later so it's been kind of interesting um, so they're usually subclinical, like a biofilm is something that's just yes. like smoldering. Yes. It's just something that's like kind of might, might get swollen, might drop down, might get swollen, mm -hmm. might drop yep. down. It's just something there, but never really comes to this big abscess or infection. And there have been one or two in the thread. Really? Yeah. I've never like seen that, that either. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. So just cleaning, cleaning as best as you can be, being more cognizant mm -hmm. about it. You know, if you are using your cannula, you know, place maybe a gauze with your Hypochlorosis is behind it so that your cannula isn't scraping along um, the skin and dragging Dude, in that's more huge. I was bacteria. just gonna, I was just <laughs> gonna say that. Be really careful what your needle or cannula touches. I see so many people like pretend this is a needle. I see so many. I just did this at a training the other day. I was teaching a surgeon to do injectables and um, injected a little bit, brought it out and took took the dirty gauze, went wiped the needle, and I'm like stop. We're changing the needle, and she's like, "What?" Um, so it's just, it's just you have to be very aware of what that needle or cannula are touching. Don't touch it with something unsterile. Granted, is this is the face sterile? No, but you don't want to add anything onto that needle that's going to add bacteria to it. Be clean. So clean as good as you can, and make sure wherever that cannula is going to touch. If you're laying that cannula down on the face to get get the the lips injected that cannula is going to be riding on the face make sure this is all clean make sure it's all clean really important 
Otherwise, you're dragging bacteria into the wound. All right. That's, oh, that was it. Yeah. Oh, we finished. Perfect. All right. All right. So hopefully that helped. Um, And clarify, I know we went fast, but we kind (laughs) of went through quickly um, what we can do in in an hour, the little breakdown of what the the adverse events can be. And it's not all occlusions. It can be very different things from nodules to inflammations to reactions. It can be lots of different things. So you're going to have to manage it differently. That means you ask questions. You say, when did this start? What does it feel like? You know, is it, is it draining? Is it not? Is it hard? Is it tender? Is it not tender? All those medical questions mm-hmm. to get down to at that differential of what are we dealing with here? And then you'll have an idea of how to treat it. Exactly. Um, two questions I can see. Debbie, where can you get 5FU? I think most. You can get it from McKesson, I think McKesson. or Henry Schein. One yeah. of the your typical places you should be able to get it from. Um, it shouldn't be hard too too hard to get 5fu good question debbie yeah oh and uh, kelly you're asking uh, when it comes to patients you have not injected do you treat them for complications as a provider <laughs> if patients come in t- yeah yeah i have i've treated both patients with an occlusion and i've treated patients with um with dissolving fillers mm-hmm. so yeah we do we do we treat we just we're there just there to help the patients so we yeah. will help them we do have them sign a form that states they've been treated somewhere else and it absolves us of liability as far as dissolving and things like that yeah so good yeah. questions yeah. but just make sure you're aware um any other questions at all otherwise we're gonna announce our contest <laughs> all right so we have hey. a new contest um we are putting all of this stuff onto YouTube. YouTube. So get all your friends to watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And so that's what our new contest is about. Subscribing to our YouTube channel and then comment on what your favorite episode was. That's got to be faulty aspiration, I think. (laughs) That's Lori's baby. Faulty aspirations. Faulty aspirations. Yeah. So comment on it and we will... Um, announce the winner at our next AI Live. So the contest starts from today and goes to the end of the month, November 30th. And the winner will get a free webinar from our library. So lots of digital content that we have out there. So if you um, are interested in one of that, join, uh, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then we have our next AI Live coming up in a month. Um, and we are going to be talking about something super important that a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> Rheology. Rheology. <laughs> Rheology. So it's so important to know what the fillers are made of because you don't know what to choose if you don't know what it is. And like I was saying earlier, it is our responsibility as a provider to know what we are doing to our patients, everything. We need to know the molecular structure. We need to know the medication, how it attaches to the cell. We need to know everything so that we can explain that to the patient and we can better serve them in a more safer fashion. So it's very important to know that. So rheology is key to know when we are injecting products. It's how we choose what we choose to put where. Yeah, definitely so. Um, excited for that topic and if you guys have any other topics that you want us to start covering let us know give us ideas this is kind of our little fun talk show just to talk about different things and you know challenge you guys to think in a different way and hopefully get your juices flowing um with regards to all of this so if you have uh comments or questions you can email it us to learn at the aesthetic immersion.com so 
learn at theestheticimmersion.com. Um, other than that, or you can DM us on social media too. You can, oh yeah, the aesthetic immersionist on on Instagram. Sure. You can DM us, so um, our our social media gurus will will answer you back. So um, December seventh, yeah. So yeah, there we go. So anyway, we um we have lots of stuff coming. We're only going to do a contest, I think, once every other month. We're not going to do it every month for you guys, but hopefully tonight helped make it a little bit more clear as yep. far as um, what kind of adverse events can happen, uh, when they happen, and then how to treat them accordingly. And assessment is everything. So we have to know how, what's happening to be able to come down that differential diagnosis and um, treat it accordingly. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. We'll Thank you so much for joining. Time. <laughs>